0: There is a library that exists exists at the the nexus nexus where all other other universes collide. Inevitably, things things wind up there by mistake. Books, books, artifacts, artifacts, people. This this is the place where things from all all universes universes end up when they get lost. lost. This This is the Eternity Eternity Archives. Archives. Hey everyone welcome back to the eternity archives this is the finale to our wild sea arc which has been a wacky crazy beautifully exciting ride so far and uh we've got a pretty cool ending coming up for you so glad you're here I am Dorka, my pronouns are she, her, I am your anchor for today, which means I'm sort of nudging the story in directions, but as we've seen so far, this game takes a lot of input from my buds too, so let's introduce my equally important co-hosts. I have a question for y'all to break the ice with today. What giant insect would you most want as a pet? Please do not say pitter and patter specifically. But we want pitter and patter. (laughs) I know.
1: I want them to come to my house and I want to give them a hug very badly.
2: I want them to be my best friends.
3: I want to fly around and conquer the world on their backs.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Right? Alex gets first dibs on pitter and patter when we manifest them into existence.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, who gets first dibs on introducing themselves? (laughs) No, we just protest. We want pitter
2: and patter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll go ahead and introduce myself first. Hi, everyone. I'm Ziva. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Linda, the normally human office lady, who right now is an adorable little mushroom lady. If I could have any giant bug as a pet, I do think bumblebee would actually be my answer. But in the interest of not saying pitter and patter, I'm going to say a luna moth. Um, oh, They're yeah. so beautiful. I just love them very much and having like a beautiful moth flutter around my house would be amazing and maybe it'd be big enough I could like ride on its back like a beautiful night witch and um, that's the dream honestly. That
3: is the dream I have to say.
1: Yeah so my name is Bappy
2: my pronouns are they them I play real day Jacquel, who is a, a giant moth they're pretty cute maybe not as beautiful as a, a luna moth I think I said they were a poodle moth so they're just very fluffy and cute if I had a giant bug. The question wasn't if you had a giant bug to ride around on, but in my mind, I just feel it as a giant bug to ride around on. It would be a Hercules beetle, I think. I just think Ooh. beetles are very cool because I like Common Rider.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, is this a Weabo answer? <laughs> yes, it's a, well, okay,
2: so technically Common Rider is based on a grasshopper, but grasshoppers are kind of scary looking if you blow them up. So I went with the next one, which is a beetle, which beetles are cool. So it's only partially a weeable answer.
1: <laughs> are you blowing up a lot of Please grasshoppers? Stop blowing up
2: no. the insects. I mean <laughs> it's not kind. I don't not I'm not no, I'm just, okay, you're right. I, I'll put the explosives Thank away. You. But, you know, they just got big old eyes and kind of <laughs> weird faces. But I mean, like, it's weird for humans, not for each other. I'm sure, like, if another grasshopper saw another grasshopper, it'd be like, hey, what's up? Your face looks very normal.
3: As you do. I know that's that's how we all greet each other.
2: Yeah, I, that's, yeah. Hey, guys, what's up? You have very normal faces, unlike a grasshopper. <laughs>
3: All right. Um, and I am Alex. My pronouns are they, them. I am not related to mobs in any way. Uh, and I'm playing Issa. I'm the guest for this arc. If I had to have any bug, I think, I think it would probably be a praying mantis because I too imagined riding the bug around. And I just feel like they would just be like a really, really <laughs> cool animal to ride around on. Yes. Also, they, they're just badass. I love them. They're so cool. And they come in like so many different varieties. Like there's like the regular green mantis, and there's also the ones with, like the orchid mantises that are just like gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like that's my my extra answer is the orchid mantis.
0: All right. Well, I again also have an extra answer because I was also going to say praying mantis. I'm with you on this one a hundred percent. They have swords Light for hands. Straighted. They're just. <laughs> Oh, that is your
2: ideal existence, huh?
0: Of course. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool, and they're so beautiful, and I love them and respect the hell out of them, and every time I see a praying mantis, I just, like, stop and, like, say a little thank you to nature for making they're this thing so exist. cool. I have strong feelings about praying mantises.
3: We can ride the praying mantises into
0: battle together. Excellent. All right, that's, that's a deal. You know what? That's going to be our next wild sea arc.
1: Yes. So down for this. So as you all might have noticed, Chapter Zero dropped in your feed for uh, our last ARC. And so I just wanted to go ahead and give a moment here and say thank you so much to everyone who supported us on Ko-fi and helped us meet our goal and made that possible. We're really excited that we were able to release Chapter Zero. And of course, uh, because we're an independent show, all of your donations mean a ton to making the Eternity Archives happen. Um, And I wanted to give a shout out specifically to our two latest donors, Shroob and also Dorica's mom. So thank you all so much for donating and for pushing us over our goals so that we could release our bonus episodes to you
0: yeah thank you yeah thank you everyone all right let's wrap up Wild Sea last time we did a little more exploration encountered some weird stuff on those salt flats and oh yeah your egg hatched we better get this wrapped up before that causes too many problems let's do it let's do it fortunately you've got a nice lady from the Leviathan Protection Agency who seems willing to help you and she says okay okay Okay. Okay. You're going the wrong way. Okay. There's a whole bunch of them in full breeding mode, full protective mode. Just this way. If you come with me, I'll show you a safer way in. I know a nest that's not being watched right now.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds great. Okay.
1: Let's let's do that. Yeah, we'll follow you. Lead the
0: way. Sound good to you, Rahl? Yep. Don't want any trouble here. No trouble. Yeah. Can we
3: see that identification badge one more time before we do this?
0: She shows it to you, and it looks official, but you wouldn't necessarily know what a LPA badge looks like.
3: Fair enough. But, like, you know, it's not, like, printed on cardboard with streaky ink or anything, so...
0: No, no. And, you know, Rawls acting kind of, a uh, kind of sketchy. Like, someone who, uh doesn't wanna make any like any trouble with any sort of authority or agency. Somebody
3: who wants to follow the only break one law at a time guideline. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Don't let her, don't let her below deck. Roll's pot stash is over the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably
3: shouldn't have checked that before you made the brownies.
1: Oh shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> Roll's probably got stuff below decks that a different agency would uh have issue with, but
2: It's not like PETA is gonna, like, comb your vehicle for weed. Like,
0: like, they're not gonna care. Yeah, but if you make trouble with one authority, like, word gets around. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, Castel hops back onto her ship, gets her centipedes moving again, slowly at first, to make sure you're following. Yeah, I mean, we have no reason not to, right? So, we follow. (laughs) That works. And in the distance, out on the horizon, you do just see like these slow, massive shapes, like kind of like a whale breaching, but it is not shaped like a whale. There are like sharp points and edges. It's kind of like if a spiky Godzilla was breaching like a whale, that's more like what you're seeing. Godzilla
2: is spiky. (laughs) Alright.
0: Either way, these are fucking kaiju out there, and it's probably lucky for you that she's taking you around this way instead of going full speed the direction you had been going. Shortly after, uh, she slows to a stop, and so do you, and you'll see what is unmistakably a nest full of the same inky black eggs that you used to have.
1: Well, it looks like this is your stop, little guy.
0: It chitters at you
3: isa reluctantly like pushes it off of her lap a little bit because she has 100 like followed the rule of cat and not moved while it's been there (laughs) is it small enough that we could pick it up
0: yes it's like it would be like picking up a large dog kind of awkward your whole reach around it but isa
3: will try to do that if it's not moving
0: yeah, yeah, you can pick it up.
3: Alright, so yeah, she'll- do I need to roll for that at all, or is it, like, docile enough right now that it'll be fine?
0: Nah, it's it's docile enough right now. You've tamed it with brownies. <laughs>
3: so she'll pick it up and try to just sort of carry it over to get it off the ship and into the nest, rather than just, like, hanging out there forever. She's very sad about this.
0: Are you gonna just, like, toss it?
3: Um... Does it have, like, okay, does it follow cat rules or dog rules? Because if it follows cat rules, it's okay to toss it, but if it follows dog rules, that's gonna go poorly.
0: (laughs) It follows neither of those rules. This is a xenomorph shark centipede.
3: That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) She's not really quite sure what to do when she gets to the edge of the ship then. She just sort of hesitates and is like, now she has this armful of sharp, adorable creature and, like, doesn't really, like, she can't just, like, hop off the ship because she's not that coordinated, and she doesn't want to just toss it in case it just sort of, like, falls over. So she just kind of pauses.
0: Go on, get out of here! (laughs) Get! So, in your hesitation, it, like, climbs over Issa's shoulder, and, like, skitters down her back, and onto the deck of the ship.
3: This is not working.
0: (laughs) It, like, rears its head back and lifts up those front two legs, and like, Chirps. (laughs) At Linda, who is still holding her tray of brownies,
1: uh, then I guess Linda's gonna gonna try and throw a brownie into the nest. Like, oh, you want one? Here you go.
2: It's like when Airbud, um, he was trying to leave <laughs> Airbud, so he put the vanilla pudding, oh. and then left it
1: behind. <laughs> this is this is our second Airbud joke. This this arc.
0: Look, <laughs> okay, I
2: have five jokes, and that's all I got. All right, so. <laughs>
0: So the the brownie, like, sails off the side of the ship and lands in the nest, and it, without hesitation, crawls down the side of the ship and into the nest. So the brownie eats the brownie in the nest, and then the nest, you'll see, is also full of, like, animal carcasses. Probably, like, the food left out for hatching leviathans. And after it finishes with the brownie, it immediately starts in on one of those and seems happy and satisfied in its proper environment.
2: Uh, Rel picks up Dumpling. (laughs) Like, holds Dumpling very closely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. Uh, is that- is that all we need to do?
3: I mean, we returned the Leviathan. The Leviathan's there, it's been returned, so... I
0: don't think we have anything else. Zen pipes up now. Looks like you've done what you were supposed to do.
1: I guess let's head on- Oh no, hold on, I need to hug the bees and then we can head back. Oh yeah, we (laughs) need to say bye to Pitter and Patter. We have to say
0: goodbye to the bees. So, um, Castell and her ship, it seems to be waiting around to make sure that now that you've dumped the Leviathan, you leave without trouble. And Rawls just, like, standing at the railing, watching Castell. And Rall is just like, Yeah, y'all y'all don't have to stick around if you don't want. I'll take it from here. You want to give Pitter and Patter some more honey before you go?
2: Yes. Oh, uh, Rill's already hugging Pitter and Patter. <laughs> just like completely draped over them.
0: Yeah. So you, you feed honey to the giant bees who love you. We
3: love
2: them too.
0: I wish we yeah. could bring them back with us.
2: Can we bring back the little one? <laughs> the Outrider? Yeah, the Outrider bee. <laughs>
0: Are you going to suggest that?
2: I might whisper it to my compatriots. Hey, Real would just be like, okay, hey, I know it's not the same. It's a much smaller bee, but I did see another bee. Maybe we could snuggle. Snuggle. <laughs> pff, smuggle them back. You know, just the thought, you guys. Uh, you know, Dumpling could use more animal friends. Right? Right, Dumpling? And Dumpling is just, like, face first, like, completely lost in, like, the tufts of Bumblebee
0: fuzz. Rawl <laughs> gives you the dirtiest look you've ever seen from someone who doesn't have a real face.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're just gonna have to hope one comes to the library one day, real I mean, you could just
2: get another bee, Rawl. Fine. <laughs> uh, thank you for leading us. I apologize for. Uh, suggesting, I mean, no, I don't apologize for that. I do apologize <laughs> that you heard us. Um, <laughs> um, it's been real. Enjoy the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> Rawl gives you a wave and is just like, "Yeah, I hope uh, whatever trouble you're having up there, yeah, get it sorted out."
1: Thanks, Raúl. I hope so. Yeah, me too.
3: Isa, this is the, I want to just point out, this is the first time Isa has actually directly heard of the trouble, so that's, like, a little intimidating, but that's fine. It's good. It's the end of the episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you hear Zen in your heads saying, okay, is everyone ready to come back? Uh, yep. Whenever you're ready. ready.
1: Yes, take us, take us back to the library without any bees.
0: (laughs) And then you feel something pull at you, and you're back in that void between space again. And this time, as you go, you smell one last whiff of honey, and peach, and pollen, and caramel brownie. And then you're in the library again. Back in your normal bodies. With no bees. Aww.
2: Could I have brought a brownie back with me just to give to Zen? Oh, I hope so. Yes. Okay. Uh, hey, Zen, Linda made some brownies and, uh, you know, you weren't down there with us. So I brought one back for you because it doesn't seem very fair to eat brownies while you're watching us. That That's actually pretty fucked up. So I... Here you go. I It's a
0: you're the best real oh thanks zen takes that brownie and just shoves the whole thing in her mouth <laughs> just like crumbs flying everywhere this is, this is, this is real good
2: <laughs> holy shit what's in this uh fucked up dirt salt
0: worm salt
1: <laughs> no i took all the fucked up dirt out of it
0: zen loves fucked up dirt salt
3: <laughs> so questions yes yeah what did he mean by troubles up here? Ooh. Uh,
0: well. Um, <laughs> you know, just. People keep beating us up and taking our shit. Yeah, yes. that pretty much covers it. And some of those people are us.
2: Yeah. Remember why we needed the password, the code word, the, the safe word is because there, there's evil versions of ourselves out there. You know, there's probably an evil version of you out there. I think maybe. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, they are kind of getting in our way and, uh, honestly being really mean to us.
3: I mean, that is what an evil version would generally do, but, okay, well, I guess that's good to know moving forward.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> 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 Everything worked out, right? So, honestly, that was pretty relaxing,
1: yeah, um, we made friends. <laughs> we ate some brownies. Got to pet a couple bees. Yeah, that that was pretty nice. Nothing weird this time. Nothing weird this time. I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of weird. We
2: there's a lot of weird things, but not in like a bad way. A shipwreck full of souls. Yeah, yeah, that was fucked up. Definitely, yeah, no mirror versions up.
3: of ourselves.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, not that we ran into, which is great. It's always nice Uh, because they suck. So, what what do you think, Isa? Huh? Getting your sea legs ish. Ish. (laughs) I thought it was
3: great. I kinda like it here. This is I haven't been out on something quite that relaxing. Like the last one I went on was mm, let's just say it reminded me of home. This was wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's pretty cool what we do here.
3: I have never seen that much green in my life.
0: Oh wow. You know, maybe we should
2: uh, swap stories while we're, you know, while we're all hanging out, right? You know, I, I, I'm i sure y'all have seen more than I have, but we've, we've got some pretty cool stories of different worlds and, and whatnot. You know, maybe we can uh, prep you in the future.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Zen sort of drapes an arm over uh, everyone's shoulders. It's like, I think this also calls for some celebratory pancakes.
1: I think Ooh. that's an excellent that idea. Let's go do some pancakes and I'll show you how I made the topping for those brownies. Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening. I wanted to jump in with a quick reminder that you can support us by leaving a review on Podchaser or iTunes. Since we're an independent show, this helps us a ton. You can also support us by buying stickers, making a one-time donation, or joining as a monthly supporter on our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com Eternity TheEternityArchives. Our monthly supporters get exclusive behind-the-scenes content like character sheets, GM notes, and access to our fan Discord. Before we get back to it, here's a message from another great show on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. Check them out and give them a listen. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Come listen to Dice Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, "Is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin?" "Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers?" "Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fake about them?" We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder Second Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out. And make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling.
0: Alright, and I think that wraps up our little game of Wild Sea. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice ending. I
2: was expecting things to go horribly just cause that is the mindset I'm in right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was I will say, like right off the bat, I wrote up several combat encounters for basically everything, but y'all were just so like creative and fun that it never actually needed to happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was like a really chill game. <laughs> I kind of
0: feel like I just wanted yeah. like a, a jungle
3: cruise. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was really great.
0: In a lot of ways, this feels like kind of a sibling of like heroic chord.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was like about the exploration and stuff like that. And just yeah. like yeah. exploring the world, seeing the world, you know, and even like the encounter track. Was like heroic horde where it's like you have the right, different
0: yeah.
2: uh, with the barren person. It was like we could either fight them or we could convince them. I mean that's I mean that's almost exactly like what it was yeah, with uh, Castell. So
0: yeah, you're right. Yeah.
2: Except Castel wasn't a rude asshole. She was just you know <laughs> uh, an animal mentalist. cop. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's just start off. Everyone, like, let's talk about what we liked about this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really liked the flexibility that tracks gave us in terms of telling the story and giving us creative problem solving. I feel like we got to do some really cool things in there that um, would be difficult to do in like a traditional game of like D&D or something. Like I was able to use a mechanism that you normally use to explore to like give an item and solve a problem. And we were able to like convince uh the leviathan cop that like we were actually there to help and i feel like there's a lot of flexibility to this game just because of the way that the mechanics are structured which i think is really great and i know some of that um some of that credit goes to you dorka because you reacted really well to us doing a bunch of like random shit (laughs) so like well well written well gm'd but i also feel like there's just a lot of flexibility in here that lets you do a bunch of cool shit i don't know
0: yeah, playing this game with my other group and playing it with y'all today, like it really does flex my GM muscles because like stuff randomly happens and I do appreciate that it flat out encourages you to like ask your players to give input because It's hard to come up, like, on the fly with, like, okay, your players have given you these prompts and rolled these things, and now your encounter should follow these guidelines. And actually thinking about it, like, I feel like this game could work pretty well without a GM.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The watch rolls, like, there there is a table for that, uh... So while I did have to, like, come up with stuff on the fly, it was, like, on a table with, like, vague suggestions.
2: Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me, well, like, Dungeon Bitches, that was a gm game. Or even when um, Dorka and I, we did a recording for I Came Here to Win for another podcast, for for that, it was, that was also gm It was just, like, if you had an idea to, like, lead the next scene, then you were the quote-unquote gm for the next moment. And that's something that could easily be Im- implemented into Wild Sea as well. Because it's like, you know, when you ask us like, hey, do you have any ideas for twists? Like, whoever had the idea for the twist, you know, they could have been the one to sort of lead that next event. I-, I think it would have worked fine, so. Yeah.
0: yeah, Like, on this watch list, like, a six. If you roll a six, that's an entire watch passing without deciding anything out of out of the ordinary. And then it gives you a list of, like, you might experience... A meeting called by one of the crew to make plans and exchange information. The chance to tell a tall tale, allowing another crewmate to gain a whisper. A problem or an event concerning the undercrew, such as a fight, sickness, or personal discovery. Like, it has all of these, like, vague ideas that just makes it really easy to branch out and adapt to whatever story you're telling. I think I'd really like to play this without a GM.
1: Yeah, I th- yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that while we were playing, but you're absolutely right that this would be a game that can be played GMless. I think just the way it is, and if they had one of those um, or several of those like D and D like randomized uh, encounter tables in the back where you roll like two you know three d six or two d twenty or whatever, and you look up where you are on the table, you could play this GMless like forever. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then I'd get to make a cool ass character like everyone else. Yeah.
3: I have to say, I would love to play this as sort of like a long term campaign with no real form, like with, with no real solid objective, just exploring this world as a group of people. I think there was so much yeah, that we yeah. saw. I mean, every every single time we stopped, that felt like a new thread in a story that I absolutely would have been fine completely following up on and just like focusing on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. it feels like like a, like almost like a slice of life anime where there is no plot you're just kind of like wandering the world just like seeing what you can see um you know and and each episode would just be like here's the story of this town here's the story of this person kind of like there's an anime called kino's journey and it's literally just about this this person who rides on a motorcycle and every episode they just are like you know exploring the world because that's like the whole point um
0: And I feel like that's very much what this game is set up for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the book, there are also even, like, guidelines and lore for, like, strange and different regions, like, in this world. Uh, Like, there's one region with, like, tall pine trees, like a wintry area, and, like... Cute. So there's just all these resources, and the lore, everything about this game is just so, like, rich and engaging but also, not so like set in stone like some other games. Like, there's a lot of room for just doing whatever you want with this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I feel like this is one of those games that, if people had time to read and understand the rules in advance, that you could absolutely do uh, drop in players. Yeah. Um, like you could absolutely oh, sure. have like a rotating cast, where like when you know like a like a play session is like a journey, and when you're at your next um, your next port of call, like people get off the ship and people get on the ship, and that's just the way it goes. Just like a train, yeah. That'd be yeah. kind
2: of cool. Like a not train trains a lot of people, but maybe like a carriage or something. That yeah, just like
3: just a like
1: bluff. riding along on the back <laughs> of a centipede. Yeah. yeah this world is unlike anything else I've ever seen in tabletop games, like in terms of just the world building that I think is really great. But I also think that there's a lot in the game itself that really encourages really creative stuff, which I don't know, it's it's a special and fun game. Yeah,
2: I think for me, it's like the descriptions like you guys, you know, just echoing the descriptions and just like the world building. It's very like, I don't know how to explain it, how to like wrap my mind around it. It's just like,
0: What I really loved is how y'all were able to create a ship that you were as attached to as like any of your characters. Yes,
1: Yeah. Building the ship I mean, you named Pitter
0: and Patter, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Creating the ship was like all collaboratively creating a character together, which was just a lot of fun. Like we were doing it on Discord and it was like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? And... I think as soon as um, Bappy, when you said that it should be pulled by giant bees, we all like collectively lost it. It was like, absolutely, it has to well, be pulled by bees.
3: No, what happened was we were going to do the hive engine and then Bappy said beast rains, And then sort of without any of us actually saying it, those two things sort of mushed themselves together. And it ended up being giant bees without anyone actually <laughs> suggesting the giant bees.
2: Because we're all spiders in a trench coat. It was,
3: it was a great, like, very cohesive moment while we were while we were creating the yeah. That It just we all came to this conclusion at the same time that that was just how it was going to go, and that was really this system really lends itself to moments like that very, very well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot in this game that we didn't even get to. Like, you can go underneath the canopy into like the tangle uh, below where things are a little weirder a little more dangerous we didn't stop at any like ports where you can like meet people and make contacts and connections and so there's definitely like a lot in here where if you were playing a more story oriented campaign you could definitely do that but as a whole the game just really lends itself to keeping up doing that exploring and like finding new and different things every time
1: I was also really pleased by how well some of the different stuff worked. I wasn't sure about tracks and I wasn't sure about the way that they roll for skills in this game, but I feel like once you start doing it, it makes a lot of sense to do. And so you're basing it more on like what you can argue for your character versus like a D&D style, like your skill is 13 and here's what that means. I tend to like it better when skill roles are anchored in specific things and that those specific things have lower numbers <laughs> instead of like putting ranks into a skill, having like a ton of ranks. Like it, it makes sense to be like, I have this skill and here's how I'm going to apply it. So that was not my most like comprehensive <laughs> thought, but um, but I think, I think that makes sense.
2: I'll just say, I think for me, I still don't really know how I feel about combat because we didn't do any but I think for me I do wish the mechanics of the rolling allowed for more dice because it was even like you know I'll be like yeah I have you know this skill I have two in and the highest is three so it's like still pretty high but it's like you know at most I'm rolling maybe three to four dice Uh, even then not that many because sometimes I don't have the appropriate skills And I I know that's, you know, that's going to happen. It's just like, once again, I like to roll many click clacks. (laughs) And I felt like um, maybe this game is not, unfortunately, what I had hoped for with the perfect balance of many click clacks and narrative. But it is very strongly uh, uh, rates very highly for me in the narrative aspect. Does not rate as highly for me in the click clack aspect as I'd hoped it would.
0: So I think on that note, let's switch over and talk about anything that we might not have liked as much about Wild Sea. For me, like I, since I have done combat before, like it is a little less intuitive, at least figuring it out in the first place. I feel like it's very much one of those things where if I practiced more with it, it would definitely be more intuitive, but it just so happened that like we didn't have to do any combat in this game, and I feel like that was okay. Mm -hmm. Like, we got to do like the weird exploration and strange encounters without actually doing any violence. And I think there's definitely a place for that. And I think part of that is, honestly, like, I was relieved to not (laughs) have to handle the combat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was just a cozy and fun and cute experience.
3: (laughs) I have to say I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to try out the combat. But I also didn't notice it until we were already done. Like, I didn't feel like it was lacking anything at all. It was like we got to the end and we mentioned, oh, we didn't get to do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry we didn't get to try it. But I I personally, I'm not as experienced with RPGs. But when I have done them, I prefer to be a little bit more combat adverse just because I... I'm such a sucker for the narrative stuff. And like, I'm a writer. This is like my entire, my entire world revolves around narratives. So that's probably a bias on my end, but I, I think that <laughs> I didn't particularly feel like it was missing. And even though it does seem from reading it, that it would be a little bit weaker. I'm kind of okay with that because I feel like it's not really the main focus.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like the rules do focus very heavily on and mention many times, like the emphasis on the conversation, the mm-hmm. back and forth between the players and the GM.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there are two beefs I have with this game. One of them is that it seems rules light and like the way we played was relatively rules light, but there's actually a ton. It's very rules heavy, actually. There's a ton of stuff in here you have to learn before you can play. And the fact I'm going to say this, I think, with every game, the fact that there's not like a like a quick cheat sheet for you makes it a lot more challenging to get new players in. Maybe if someone has never played D&D, this is like a decent game to teach them um, because it's it's really not in any way anchored in like the like old school tabletop games. But If like that's what you have, like if you have someone who's only played D&D and then you want to teach them Wild Sea, you're going to have a hell of a time because it's like not grounded in that at all. So it's there's a lot to learn before you can play this. And then when you play it, it like feels very good and fun, but it's kind of hard to jump in. And the other thing is just that it's really hard to prep as a GM, I feel like, because so much random shit can happen. And I know that 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 can involve a lot of really dynamic storytelling. But I also feel like I would be really reluctant to GM this game at a table unless I like knew everyone there very well. And I could be like, take 10. I need to figure out what to do. I would have a really hard time GMing this game, even though there's a lot about it that I love. I'd only want to play with a very close table. That isn't going to be cranky if I need to take time to figure out what the hell we're doing next.
3: I have to say, I feel like as somebody who hasn't, Played like I've only ever done Pathfinder and I think it was 3.5 D&D are the two that I have the most experience with, but as someone who isn't like terribly experienced with a whole bunch of role-playing um, TTRPGs, I feel like I was sort of like the ideal player for this. Like this was designed for me. I'm very happy thinking on my feet and everything. So I don't have a ton of beefs with this at all, but I think that I'm coming from it from exactly the position that Ziba just described.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad to be wrong about that then. I'm glad that you had a you had a good time jumping in and learning it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, the group that I played this with before, uh, I did a few sessions with them, but it's just happens to be a group that it's hard to get everyone in one place at one time. A couple of the people in that group were very very experienced tabletop players and a couple of them had never played a tabletop game in their life, but there were also just like a lot of experienced role players in that group, non-tabletop role players. They seemed like they figured it out pretty quickly. And the combat I have done with that group, like even combat is more of like a conversational flow than like the Dungeons and Dragons style. like everyone takes a turn. So I guess I, I do regret a little bit that I didn't get to showcase that in this game because I think it can be very fun. And I do say that as a as the GM for this game, like I don't mind so much that I don't have to prepare as much. Like <laughs> I had originally gone into my first game of Wild Sea with like a lot prepared, and then I realized very quickly, like, wait, I don't actually have a lot of control over this so that was both a good thing and a bad thing and it definitely takes some getting used to i'm improving at my improv and wild sea has helped a lot with that
1: yeah i definitely have a hard time improvising as a gm and probably y'all can hear that in some of the campaigns uh that i've run for eternity archives where i'm just like oh this is what we're doing (laughs) and so i think uh if you're willing to push yourself as a GM or you're comfortable improvising, this would be a really good game for that. Like I said, I would personally be nervous about GMing it, but but I would I would play it all day. Sign me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's another reason why I would definitely like love to see this done as a GM list game. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because
0: then everyone gets to just contribute to that narrative, and that's just so cool to me. Yeah. So I th- I
2: think basically what we're all saying is if you like Narrative-based Oregon Trail, post-apocalyptic forest stuff, go for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is just heroic chord, but with, like, a completely different setting and a lot more rules. And
3: apparently you're just going <laughs> to, yeah. like, get a lot of pets, like, bug pets, clearly, flying bumblebees and
2: <laughs> yeah. cat- oh, yeah. sharks. Uh, it, we definitely skewed it towards the the beast, the animals, because I believe when, when we were making it, I was just like, let's just make it the library and also have a menagerie of animals.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do just want to mention that like in the very first playtest version of this, pretty much all of the ship options were like your ship is propelled and powered by like chainsaws and mulchers that like cut up the trees in front of you to push you forward. And I think that was one of the things that, after playtesting, like, they changed a lot of. They put out a whole new like document for how ships are built and designed, and they put out a whole lot of more like environmentally friendly options for, I guess, players like us who <laughs> want to befriend the environment
1: instead of uh, conquer Give it, us and us I just beats. think that's really cool. And <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: completely avoided combat. <laughs>
1: But I also, I think it really um, it really speaks to, like, what I think is very cool about this, which is that, as Alex said, we had a completely satisfying game with no combat. Like, there was lots of problem solving and lots of storytelling and lots of stuff happening where, like, we got to dip our toe into this extremely cool pool that this world has. And we didn't have to fight, and we still came away with it. We still came away from it, like, yeah, that was really cool. We saw a lot of cool stuff, so...
0: I think any system where you get to the combat section and it's basically, yes, you do combat the same way you do any other skill check, I think that typically tends to suggest that like, the combat system is kind of an afterthought. And that was the case here. I think it is just possible that like combat is definitely not the primary focus of this game. It's just something that kind of has to be included in a tabletop game.
2: Yeah. It's just that I gave Rill a gun. I wanted them to use the gun. I did want to deal lethal range damage in this session, but it's okay that <laughs> I didn't because I got to pet lots of bees and I'm fine with that. If I can't do, if I can't shoot someone, then petting a bee is a fine substitute. I also feel
3: like it was very therapeutic for Rill and Linda <laughs> to be able to just like yeah, yes. so much of it was just sort of like processing the character's feelings And thinking about, you know, the things that happened in the last episode. And I just, I feel like any game that has a space for that, because clearly there's also room in this system for some very deeply dramatic and traumatic events. Any game that has space for sort of that moment to process and think and really focus on the characters is something that it feels... Wonderful for the narrative. I think that, that maybe it's maybe it's just GMs I've worked with or maybe it's something that happens in the TTRPG world as a whole, but there's a very easy trap to fall into where it just has to be thing after thing after thing, something happening every single beat. And having those sort of in-between moments of like, okay, it happens while you're on the journey, but there's these down moments as well for the characters to think and process, I think just gives so much more room for narrative growth. And that was—I know—we're talking about things that we didn't like as much, but I thought that was a huge positive.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think that's been a big trend lately, in specifically like the indie TTRPG scene, Uh where there's a lot—a lot of these games have less of a focus on combat and more of a focus on like problem solving as a group and like just this wholesomeness, like like heroic chords, which we've played and like. Wander Home, which I own, and I've read through the book, and that's a a very rules-light version of something like this. And yeah, the way we played Wild Sea was definitely more relaxing like that. And I did, after Dungeon Bitches, want to go for something a little more wholesome, like returning a baby to its home.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This session was basically just a retreat. A bee-treat, if you will. (laughs) Um, Where we just vibed and resolve some inner turmoil or addressed it a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really liked this game. The the downsides I have with it are very small. I feel like usually I end up spending about half of our discussion at the end being like, here's the things I hated, even though this game is really great. <laughs> like I love Thirteenth Age, but man did I have some shit to say about especially about how it was organized. Yeah. But this game I'm like like the the pros vastly outweigh the cons for me. Like I would I would recommend this game a lot. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. I don't know. I think it's a very it's a very special and wholesome game, a lot like Heroic Chord, but really different in some ways, too.
2: Yeah, I'd say I'm 50-50 on it. Like, I really liked it, but there were things I wanted that the game did not address. But that's not the game's fault. That was my expectation. So that's nothing the game did wrong. That was just me wanting, once again, to shoot a gun. (laughs) Yeah,
3: like I said, I think I was the I think I was the ideal player for this game, 100%.
0: So, Alex, I actually have a question for you regarding that. Okay. When I invited you to come on the show and play with us, I gave you a choice of two games that I was interested in running. It was between this game and Parslings, which is a really interesting looking like a deck building TTRPG where you basically, kind of in the similar vein to Heroic Chord, make spells out of significant words that are attached to you. So what made you choose this game?
3: It was a super tough choice because I am such a sucker for anything involving words and language, but I'm honestly not hundred percent sure. I I feel like the world, I feel like it was the world. I feel like it was the sense of exploration and possibility and that that world is just so immersive in this that it's really easy to get drawn into and I, I couldn't help but want to explore it. That's the reason why I chose it, it was, you know, the other one had a lot of themes and things that I'm really, really interested in. I'd want to try parslings at some point, but I, I couldn't not explore wild sea. That's what it comes down to.
0: That is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alex was like, I want to pet some fucking bees.
3: <laughs> and I mean, if I had known there was going to be a centipede shark involved, like, Sharks are my absolute favorite animal, and I'm fond of centipedes as well, so like that would have sold me right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm personally glad you picked Wild Sea, because I think it's probably an easier game to play on air than Parslings would have been. But maybe I'll keep that one on the back burner for another another time sometime down the road. Yeah. Definitely. So any more, uh, any more comments on Wild Sea before we wrap this up? No,
2: I I had a good time. I thought it was really cool. Love the flavor. How big were the bumblebees again? Moose-sized. Moose-sized, okay. I support moose bees, a.k.a.
1: mees. <laughs> pitter and patter. Pitter and patter.
2: That was a great choice Look of Look out names. for pitter and patter merch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, I wish we were a big enough podcast we could sell pitter and patter plushes Aww. one day. In any case... So for our next chapter, we are going to be playing What's So Cool About Monster Blood from Bad Quail Games. Uh, This is a zine style game in the vein of What's So Cool About Outer Space. So it's really different than anything we've played in terms of what the rules look like. As an added bonus, it's based on, um, or I should say inspired by Bloodborne, which is one of my favorite video games ever. So go ahead and join us next time for a um, rules light and quick and snappy and kind of spooky game. I'm really excited to share it with y'all.
0: Thanks so much, Alex, for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, it was yes. great to have you. I've wanted to have you as a guest like since we started doing this.
3: Oh, thank you so much for an, an absolute blast. And Feel free to invite me back anytime. I had such a good time.
0: Before we go, would you like to uh, promote your website and stuff one more time? Yes.
3: So uh, you can find me on www.alexpenland.com, which again, just my first name, Alex, and then pen like what you write with, land like what you walk on, Uh, or on any social media at Alex, pen name, P-E-N-N-A-M-E. And I have a couple short stories out there. I think my personal favorite that I'm talking about right now is a short story called The Little Angler. Uh, The Strange Land Anthology by Flame Tree Press. It's amazing and has deep sea mermaids. So everybody should check that out.
1: Excellent.
0: Alex is a really good writer, everyone. So definitely check them out.
2: Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Dream of Big
0: Bees. Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorca, Bappy, and Zipa. Find us on Twitter at, at the Archives Pod or online at the Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsflat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com The Eternity Archives. Subscribe to our Ko-fi for all sorts of exclusive bonuses, behind-the-scenes content, and other fun surprises. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay.
1: Roll dice!
0: An LGBTQIA actual
2: play podcast network.